The International Diabetes Federation Life for a Child program supports the care of children in 15 countries. You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Graham Ogle. Dr. Ogle is a pediatrician working for HOPE Worldwide and the program manager for the International Diabetes Federation Life for a Child program in Sydney, Australia. Dr. Ogle, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much, Susan. Describe what led to your interest in childhood and adolescent diabetes. Well, I studied pediatric medicine basically because it was fun. I love working with children and then I trained in pediatric endocrinology because it's a combination of, of science. It has lots of numbers and also the art of having to connect with the children and their parents at the level, that, the emotional level that they're at. And then I worked in the developing world for six years with Hope Worldwide and was involved in organizing responses to various conditions and problems. But my training in endocrinology kept on bringing me back towards diabetes. And when I was in Papua New Guinea and Cambodia in the 1990s, at the time there were no long-term survivors of type 1 diabetes uh, in children in those countries at all. And it, it was very moving when we'd care for these children who presented desperately ill in, with ketoacidosis and all the staff and us would we'd get them back to health, but then they'd go back to their villages or towns and, and they'd later die due to lack of access to care. And so that's what promoted me to move uh, more into uh, diabetes again. How did you become involved with Hope Worldwide? I go to a Church of Christ in Sydney and uh, Hope Worldwide is the, the charity associated with the International Church of Christ. And so as always, as a medical student, I went to Papua New Guinea for an elective, and it was always my dream to go back there to, to work there. And that became an actuality in 1993 through the support of Hope. What are the latest statistics regarding childhood and adolescent diabetes? Around the world, there's around 440,000 children under 15 with diabetes, which isn't, it's a big number, it isn't too high a number. Around 200,000 of these are in developed countries. For instance, in the US alone, there's, there's 62,000 children estimated this year. The problem's much less common in developing countries, which is good because it's harder to manage. And the IDF Atlas estimates that in the 70 lowest income countries of the world, there's around 70,000 children with diabetes. So that's, that's type 1. And then type 2, as you're most likely aware, that's what used to be known as the adult type of diabetes, but that's now appearing in children as well, all around the world, particularly in the developed world. And what do you attribute that to? The increase in type 2 diabetes is, is due to the, most likely the westernization of the world in terms of that people are eating more and exercising less. It's not just happening in, in children, it's happening in adults as well as we eat more and exercise less and live longer as well, then there's many of us have a metabolic state which is good at conserving energy. And when there's too much energy on board, then there's a tendency to develop diabetes. Describe how diabetes affects children and their families. In the developed world, like the US or, or Australia, it's a challenging disease. It initially can be very frightening and complicated for the children and their families and they need to learn all about that and integrate it into their lives, which is, which is challenging, and, and watch their diet and exercise and many other factors. They have to work out having diabetes and how that works at school and at sports and at parties and when they're traveling. But on the other hand, 
families in, in these nations have access to care, which is either care is either free or inexpensive. They have access to not just doctors but nurses who can educate and nurse them through situations or, or, or train them to respond to situations, to social workers and dietitians and to other staff. They have access to 24-hour advice and all those things. But in the developing world, um, children often die. Um, some die undiagnosed or soon after diagnosis because families can't support the care. Insulin may be, uh, may be unavailable or unaffordable. Many health professionals haven't seen diabetes in children and some clinics in, de in developing nations can't even measure a blood glucose. And there's even some nations, whole nations, which can't measure glycosylated haemoglobin, which is what we use to monitor the, the medium-term progress of the, of the child. And another problem that they have in the developing world is that self-monitoring of blood glucose, it's prohibitively expensive. And what can happen is this, this can even bankrupt families and families sometimes have the, the terrible choice of, of do they support the medical care for their child with diabetes, but then if they do that, they may not be able to, for instance, pay school fees for all the other children in the family. So it's, it's a dreadful opportunity cost for the family. And aside from that, even aside from the acute, acuter care, these children are often uh, have poor control and so they develop early and serious complications, which makes it much harder for the family. Tell us about the Life for a Child campaign. Yes, the Life for a Child program is a, is a program of the International Diabetes Federation. The International Diabetes Federation is the umbrella organization for all the world's national diabetes associations, so the American Diabetes Association is a member. And it's a program that's run in partnership with Hope Worldwide and with Diabetes Australia New South Wales and other entities. And what we do is we, we collect money and we give very specific targeted support to diabetes centres in developing countries and we provide advice there as well. So often in, in countries there's doctors there who know what they're doing and they just don't have the resources to do that. So we don't tell them how to run their clinics. They, they already know how to do that and they're very skilled and they're very tuned to the local circumstances, but we're able to provide resources. Sometimes it's money for insulin, often for insulin, sometimes it's for blood glucose or for a glycosylated hemoglobin machine. It might be for training for staff or for even for things as simple as refrigerators. And it might be establishing the first diabetes register that that country's had, having holding the first camp for children with diabetes. And the approach is different in every country, which is which is neat, I think. And in some countries now, we're developing a whole country approach, so we're getting close to being able to assist all the children with diabetes in a nation. And this is this is happening, for instance, in Bolivia and Rwanda. And finally, we also do a lot of advocacy, so that we try aiming to reduce the price of insulin around the world to make cheaper forms of insulin still available, to reduce the price of test strips, and and to improve health systems as well. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Graham Ogle with the International Diabetes Federation Life for a Child program. Dr. Ogle, how many children does the program support? We're looking after around 730 children. I think by early next year, we'll have broken the number of 1,000. These are scattered through 15 countries, and they're they're all over the world. I have to do a geography lesson sometimes to find out when I get an email from some state in some country, at least a state I'm not aware of. We're helping in Bolivia, in the Philippines, Papua New Guinea and Fiji, in Azerbaijan and Uzbekistan, in the subcontinent. We're helping in India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, 
and then in Africa in six nations, in, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, in Rwanda, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Mali, Nigeria. And we'll hopefully soon be helping in, in the Sudan, in Ecuador, and in Cameroon as well. How do you choose the countries? We receive emails from, from many places, and as long as there's a diabetes centre there, which is, which is well organised and has a reputation that's good in the eyes of outsiders, you know, people in the diabetes community, people in that nation, so that we can get a few points of reference in, then we'll entertain in investigating that country, and then we work with that country to see if they're happy with the systems that we ask them to do because we, we, we try and keep that to a minimum. But on the other hand, we do need rigorous financial feedback of how they use the funds and also clinical data sheets each year on each child. There's now a quite established network of diabetologists in various countries through various associations and societies. And we work through that and through IDF connections. And so the countries in some ways select themselves because people put their hand up but sometimes we'll get an email. For instance, if we started in Nepal because an American Peace Corps volunteer went there and he sent us an email. He was in the village. He wasn't, wasn't in medicine, but he had, there was a child in the village that needed help. And it took a little while to, to get it all set up. But now we're helping in, in Nepal, and it, it's very exciting. The hospital there in just near Kathmandu has, has a clinic devoted for children with diabetes, and there's a, there's a great spirit there that this is something that can, they can now manage properly. Tell us what a diabetologist does. A diabetologist looks after people with diabetes, essentially. A diabetologist would be an endocrinologist, so a doctor specialising in, in hormone medicine. Specifically, a diabetologist would look after adults or children with diabetes. How is the Life for a Child program funded? One of the exciting things about this program is that our funds come essentially completely from people in the diabetes community. And the core funds come from individuals, mums and dads and families who someone in the family has diabetes and they donate what's usually a dollar a day or a euro a day to the program. And then others give personal contributions and we have company support, Eli Lilly, Johnson and Johnson and Home Diagnostics for instance and other companies as well. We partner closely with Rotary International and uh, various clubs in, in Australia and the States and Italy have supported the program and then we're able to get grants for that. And a new source of revenue for us, which we're very excited about, is you might be aware that there's going to be celebrations in New York on November 14th, the World Diabetes Day, to celebrate the passing of the UN resolution. And an emblem has been designed for diabetes, like the red ribbon for AIDS. And this is a blue circle, United Nations Blue, which is a, a unity, Unite for Diabetes concept. And these are lapel pins. And in themselves, they're quite cheap, but they're being sold and all over the world. And, and part of the proceeds of the profit of that is coming through to the Life for a Child program. How can listeners learn more about the program? Well, the simplest way would be to go to our website. It's www.lifeforachild.org. www.lifeforachild, or one word, .org. And there's contact details there. And if people would like to help, Obviously, we'd be delighted if people would like to help financially, but if people wanted to distribute brochures in their clinic or if people are trained in this area and nurses or doctors and would like to help volunteer in some way, then they can contact me. My name is Graham through, through the website there on the email address there, and we'd be delighted to talk to people more. How do you obtain cheaper insulin in strips? That's a complicated question. Sometimes it's negotiation. One of the problems in 
smaller nations is that the market's small, there's more middlemen involved, there's often tariffs, taxes on insulin. So it's a multifaceted approach to, a, to approach the government to aim to scrap the taxes that are on insulin. We also partner closely with Insulin for Life, which is an organisation based in Melbourne, Australia, and it has an affiliate in America and in Germany and Austria and other countries, which an Insulin for Life collect unused insulin from health professionals, and then they send that off to countries where there's need. And we partner with Insulin for Life in four or five countries. Dr. Ogle, thank you so much for joining us to discuss the International Diabetes Federation Life for a Child program. My pleasure, Sue. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening.